Welcome to the world of fiction, where we're lying, but that's okay. One prepared host, two neurodivergent nerds, two authors dig deeper into the lies that expose truths. If you're a fan of fiction with a curious mind, tune in each week for discussions on speculative worlds, fandom, the industry, and creating. Let's talk about video games. I'm your prepared host, J.S. Garrity. And I'm the host who's winging it, Ludlow Adams. For our new listeners out there, every week I choose and prepare a topic because I'm a researcher and a planner. And I find out the topic a half an hour before because I'm an improviser and good on my feet. <laughs> right, let's get into it. Good on my feet until I start stuttering. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to go over a little bit of the history of um, video games. Just, you know, briefly, we'll talk about our own experiences with console games and and computer video games in general. Um, then I want to talk about storytelling and the evolution of storytelling in games. And then we're going to talk about some benefits of gaming, because I think we hear a lot about the risks right yeah. um, things that can happen when you spend too much time in front of your screens um, but there are benefits too so i want to make sure we cover those yep so if you had asked me last week or two weeks ago what the very first computer game was or first electronic game i would have said pong and i think a lot of people think Pong was the first. I would have said that about 25 seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm really, I'm really curious. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people think Pong was the first. Um, it was the first that got wide scale public attention, right? Okay. Atari okay. was kind of the first company that people really knew about um, that was doing this. But the actual first computer game was let me find it real quick so i don't accidentally get the wrong name okay so the first interactive video game was actually a game called space war where two player controlled spaceships fought against each other um, and that was invented by an mit student named steve mm. russell in 1962 and that game later became the first arcade machine about a decade later. And then it was okay. a year after that that Atari came out with Pong and Computer Space. Okay. So I just found something that says in 1958, uh, a physicist did, is thought to have created the first video game that was much like Pong. Oh, cool. Um, my my point is that you know I think this is one of those things that's got some pretty muddy waters, um, and yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna like drag ourselves over the coals to try to figure everything <laughs> out. So, you yeah. know, if somebody listens to this and and is enraged by it, you might want to just like skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think there's you know we also are splitting hairs a little bit when we talk about which was the first one ever created versus which mm -hmm. one was the first to be commercially available right yeah um yeah. so the first home video game system for example was the odyssey 
And um, at that point, Atari started creating home units. Um, Mattel started creating handheld um, console units. And then things started just speeding up rapidly and we started getting yeah. the players like Nintendo, Namco, um, yeah. really hopping in on this. Yeah. So I remember having an Atari 2400, I think. Mm-hmm. And we also had a Commodore 64, but our Commodore 64 only had a uh, a tape reader. It didn't have like a disc reader, so I couldn't play mm-hmm. any of the other video games on it or computer games or anything on it. Like right. uh, Bard's Tale, Legend, some uh, some stuff like that in the early to mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, Pac Man was released in nineteen eighty, and that was kind of this like big success. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then we really got into the arcade era with these arcade mm-hmm. games. Um, the initial computer games were very much. Um, just cause and effect about the gameplay, about the controls. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of story in those first sure, yeah. games. Yeah, like Pong. I think most of us are familiar. Is just these two sticks on either end of the screen, and you're bouncing a ball back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of these early games were like that. You're just shooting at something. You're um, bouncing something back and forth. Yeah. I, I remember playing the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark video game when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It was a nightmare. Like it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was kind of like, oh, okay, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I, yeah. at about the same time, I had discovered like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, and so I started going down that route until the Nintendo came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Nintendo, a lot of people would associate Nintendo with kind of the their first gaming yeah. experiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, lots of people had Ataris for sure, but um, once Nintendo got into the game, things started blowing up a lot more. And actually, yeah. Nintendo is, you know, similar to the first gaming system ever we can't really say for certain who was first to put narrative in but um the first game that we really see a kind of narrative in is donkey kong and so nintendo is kind of attributed as bringing story into gaming yeah um and the original donkey kong it wasn't mario it was a precursor to mario but it was the same idea of you know, Donkey Kong has stolen his girlfriend and he needs to rescue her. Um, yeah. The first narratives in video games were very much like damsel in distress. Yeah. Uh, very flat narrative, but still a type of narrative. Yeah. One of the things that um, I, I remember as a kid as well is being at like my grandparents' house, uh, visiting them and watching like a newscast that was talking about Donkey Kong Jr., where you actually play Donkey Kong Jr. as opposed mm-hmm. to Donkey Kong, where you always play one of the Mario-type or Mario-esque right. characters. So, yeah, this is definitely bringing back some weird memories. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go yell at some kids to get off my lawn real quick. But... <laughs> um, I had a teacher at the middle school I went to 
who held the record for Donkey Kong. Um, there was a whole documentary about him. Anyone who's like really deep into that stuff and knows your um, arcade history, Steve Wiebe, you'll know that name. Uh, yeah, whole documentary about him um, beating yeah. that record. Uh, he's kind of well known in that sort of um, fan base. I, I think there was also um, Don Bluth's project. I think it was Don Bluth's project, um, Dragon's Lair in the arcades. And that mm-hmm. one was, you know, you're playing Dirk, whatever his mm-hmm. name is. Uh, he's a knight and he's trying to rescue the princess from uh, a dragon. I almost mm-hmm. said a wizard, um, you know, and, and I had to start thinking about the, the name, you know, Dragon's Lair, not Wizard's Lair. Right, I guess. right. So... Yeah, that one was very storytelling, but it was also very, you know, like you had to get the movements just right. You know, yeah. It was this game where you, you did that over and over and over again. So, yeah. Yeah. And then by the time, gosh, by the time I was nine or 10, there was Gauntlet and stuff out as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot happened very, very quickly when yes. it comes to video games. Um, Video game evolution has been compared to biological evolution in the Mm -hmm. sense of how rapidly it started happening as Mm -hmm. soon as it reached a certain technological threshold once we reached that point of making it small enough the computer small enough to fit in someone's house and to be really used that way everything just took off well it in a more modern example of that would be um smartphones and stuff so mm-hmm. you know yeah for a long time it was just cell phones for you know 20 something years and mm-hmm. like uh microsoft came out with a tablet the first tablet during the 90s and nobody went anywhere near it and so mm-hmm. like apple figured out how to do that but my again my point is for anybody who's kind of wondering like you know is that how likely is that to happen you know there's a much much mm-hmm. more recent example as well yeah so, I remember when the first iPhone came out and mm-hmm. it was this huge thing, like your iPod touch was now a phone Yeah, <laughs> and it was yeah. a, it was a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. It was this massive thing. And now smartphones are just so yeah. integrated into our daily lives that yeah. I think most people don't even remember what it was like not having one. You have to actually yeah. kind of think back and think about, oh Yeah. That was life before I had the internet yeah. in my, the palm of my hand. Yeah, it let us go from, you know, back from talking to people um, synchronously, you know, at mm-hmm. the same time, verbally, um, to being able to send really short letters very quickly again. Yeah. So I, yeah. I will forever be grateful for that. Um, yeah. And the keyboard so. instead of the T9 texting, which took forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Texting was it, not super, I mean, people did it, but it wasn't used the same way it is now because it was really inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we got the whole text speak, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of lead speak almost. So yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. Um, and now, you know, the, what's in your, what's in your pocket for your phone can play games that like, mm-hmm. you know, an entire arcade couldn't have had as many games as you can have on, yeah. a, you know, on a really basic smartphone now. So, yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's amazing how quickly everything has changed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, nothing compares to that arcade experience, though. We went to um, a Nickelcade mm-hmm. the other day. It was a couple weeks ago with the kids. Um, it was the same arcade where Max and I went on our very first date. Back when we went, oh, it was oh. Nichols. <laughs> oh. You had to get Nichols. Um, at, at that point, like on my side, we were still just friends. <laughs> it was a friendly thing. But yeah. Um, yeah, that was the beginning of our relationship changing from friendship. Uh, it's like the karate kid all over. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we, we went back and we took the kids. Um my son's really into Mario and Donkey Kong right now, so he really wanted mm-hmm. to go play on the the actual, you know, arcade machines and That's great. And now they have cards instead of mm-hmm. nickels. Mm-hmm. And that was wild. We were like, What? Yeah. <laughs> what is yeah. this? Da- Dave and Busters has had cards for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanna say probably close to twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I've had a couple of different ones at you know, during my time of hitting different Dave and Busters. Mm. Um, but we used to go to the one in Ontario Mills, Ontario, California, pretty regularly, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always, like, win, like, prizes to send to the uh, to the local children's hospital. But I would always get, the, like, the really funky-looking, psychedelic kind of uh, stuffed animals because <laughs> those are the kinds of things that some kid look at you know some kid would, would look at and be like that's the one but nobody would ever think to buy it mm-hmm. for them um, and I think I was also getting like a beer glass at a time or something mm-hmm. so yeah yeah it's amazing how much all of this technology has changed yeah yeah and you get those old school arcade games and then they have the same game but they have it modernized into this like table that's a screen that and six people can play pac-man all at once and yeah it's modernized um but they still maintain some of those old uh original arcade games which is the part i love the most yeah i think it would be an incredible to to be able to build out like a little personal arcade for parties and stuff but you know that's that's not going to happen for a long time, <laughs> if ever. Max wants to, you can get like a chip that has like hundreds of arcade mm-hmm. games on it and they're not mm-hmm. that expensive. Um, the expensive part is getting the screen and the yeah the, the structure one, yeah. for it. The stand-up unit. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, but Max wants to make one someday and yeah. just have like a little arcade unit in our basement my uh my roommate and well i got it but it was like the the old school nintendo but the one with like you know 200 games or 100 games or whatever it was Mm -hmm. that got released over the last decade we got one of those and we're playing these different games and we're getting our butts kicked and it was like oh yeah there is a reason it was called nintendo hard but when i was a kid i didn't know that like i just knew hey i can play this game and you know hey i beat this game or that game or whatever and now it's like Mm -hmm. oh this is so much harder yeah. So for the last 30 years almost that I haven't been playing uh, very many uh, video games like that, um, my uh, my my fast twitch reflexes have gotten <laughs> pretty rusty. Yeah, uh, the Switch has um, like the online Nintendo Store has a bunch of yeah old games that you you can like subscribe to different packages yeah. and 
um, my son was really into the first Mario game. Yeah. He's playing it. And he was very excited to teach me. He got so excited. He like ran over to Max and was like, mom's playing Mario and just super excited. And so I determined like, I need to beat this game because that will make my it'll son give, so happy. It, it'll give you some street cred in your house. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I did it one night. I spent like three hours straight because it's one of those, like when it ends, it ends. Like you can't yeah. start where you, um, and whatever world you finished off with, you start way yeah. at the beginning in world one. So I spent like three hours straight and I beat it. And I, I just, I'm the coolest one in the house now. He just talks. <laughs> it's been a few weeks and he still talks about how mom was the first to beat Mario in our house. That's awesome. <laughs> now, which Mario, was it Super Mario Brothers? Um, No, it was the... Oh... No, maybe it was. It's the the one where you go to the different castles, and every castle you're fighting a Bowser mm-hmm. that you have to get through each like outdoor level to get to the castle. And yeah, and if you worlds, get past, I think if you get past Bowser, there's an axe or something that you yes. can grab, and it makes the floor disappear. Yeah, that's Super Mario Bros. Okay. That's yeah, the first yeah. one. I think I, I want to say it's nine worlds, but yeah, you can skip worlds pretty easily in that game if you know the right like oh. pipe to go through. Or <laughs> well, whatever, I didn't. So. I did not know how to do that. <laughs> and I actually yeah. there was things that um, because then my son wanted to beat it after I did, and he wanted me to help him beat it. Um, he didn't need my help at all. Uh, he he beat it just fine. Um, but then he was doing things that I didn't know you could do in the game, like a running start to jump. Like, I didn't know you could do that. And so I was like, hey, I beat the game when I didn't even know all the things what? you could do. Like, how do you? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. <laughs> yeah. I made yeah, it I mean, way harder on myself, though. Yeah, you can even slide sometimes. Like, Yeah, and yeah. duck. I didn't know you could duck. Yeah. I didn't duck once the entire time. What? <laughs> this is insanity. Like you went super, super hard. Yeah, yeah. And I, it, I mean, it took me three hours. Like it, and it took my son like an hour and a half. So clearly, mm-hmm. it takes a lot longer when you don't know all of the things you can do. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so back to narrative. Um, yeah. I just want to briefly mention. There's three different types of narrative that you can find in video games. The first is linear. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, what we've been talking about. Donkey Kong, um, Mario, those games where you do the same thing every time. There isn't another way of going about it. Sometimes you can uh, do things like go on the right pipe, like you were saying. Um, Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you just follow each step to get to the end and it's the same every time yeah then there's the like string of pearls kind of narrative and this is when it's mostly linear but there are some places you can kind of make different decisions and branch out um just a little bit but the there's still one ending and you have to get to that one ending eventually 
And then the last one is much more similar to what we see in a lot of modern games, which is mm -hmm. the truly branching where every decision yeah. you make has a different outcome. And there's many different endings that you can get to based on each of those decisions that you make throughout the game. Yeah, much more um, open world. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of those games are more based on uh, exploration, mm -hmm. whereas the String of Pearls is more of like these quests and you, you finish the quests. Uh, mm -hmm. There's an objective. Um, but yeah, we, we see all three of those still. The hardest ones to write are the, you know, open world, branching, um, yeah. exploring worlds. Those, I, I can't even imagine writing the narratives for those. <laughs> it would be yeah. so hard. Well, it's practice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, it, you know, it would be similar to the idea of dungeon master and running those rpg games except harder because you have to anticipate the decisions that people will make yeah. you can't have them do it for you in real time and then respond to it in real time yeah. so you have to anticipate those things and the better and better games are getting the more is being anticipated and the more kind of secret things you can find easter eggs uh Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, you might try and go in a direction and it won't let you because there's yeah. doors that are closed and yeah. um, less branches that you can explore. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of overview of gaming and narrative and gaming and story. So I want to talk now about some of the benefits of gaming because there's some really interesting ones that i found that i had no idea about yeah um i don't want to talk much about the risks of gaming because i think we all hear that over and over again and yeah i don't think we need to have another and lecture <laughs> and so many of them have been found to be false yeah you know yeah. like violence video games are going to make people more violent mm -hmm. or something and, and, or you know screens mm -hmm. making your eyesight worse or yeah, yeah. a lot yeah. of myths out there um the, the only real danger is with anything else in the world of doing of too much right too much of yeah. something is bad too much water is bad right yeah <laughs> so too much of a good thing always possible uh but let's talk about the good things with video games so first it's good for the brain yeah oh, go for oh, it yeah, yeah no you start <laughs> no you, we can start with that we can start with uh good for the brain it helps with memory mm -hmm. uh they found that playing those uh playing video games can help with um fighting off memory issues mm -hmm. um doing puzzles in general can help with mm -hmm. that they also have found that it increases gray matter in your brain. Yeah. So that's a huge yeah. benefit. Yeah. So I'm not wasting time on my phone playing, you know, games. I'm actually helping my gray matter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's actually, I mean, we, we say that and we joke, right? But it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some games are obviously going to be better than others with that. Um, the more 
kind of puzzles that you're working on, the better. Um, but a lot yeah. of those like games on your smartphone are very puzzle based. So yeah. you're actually not just idling away your time. Um, like we kind of associate smartphone games with, yeah. uh, you are exercising your brain doing that. Yeah. They actually did a study with Tetris and found that playing Tetris after a traumatic event can decrease the frequency and severity of flashbacks and PTSD mm. symptoms. Mm -hmm. So okay, I actually that makes sense. read advice, I don't remember where it was, a few weeks ago that said after you get into like a car accident or something happens that, you know, increases that level of anxiety, play Tetris right after. I would imagine it's not just Tetris, but, um, you know, we, we talk about like uh, uh, meditation being really good for the mm -hmm. brain in the same way. Like, you know, you can you can alleviate a lot of those issues. Well, you know, anytime you are actively working on focusing on something, it's good for mm -hmm. the brain in mostly the same ways. So arts and crafts, video games, meditation, mm -hmm. um, I mean, even prayer, because it's, you know, when you're when you're focused. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a good point you bring up because um, they found that it's the really visual games that help. Mm -hmm. And there's a really strong connection with meditation and, and visuals and how visuals can help us meditate. That makes sense. And the, But isn't, isn't there... Isn't there some kind of a therapy where, like, you use the 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 eye brain connection? Yeah, I've done that. It's EMDR. Yeah. It's okay. very effective for PTSD. It helps you um, go back and process memories okay. that weren't okay. properly processed, and it can be done in in several ways. Uh, you can do the eye movement one, where you have like a light that bounces back and forth, and you follow the light. Um, okay. they also do it with like vibrators in your hands, um, where it buzzes each one in each hand back and forth. So yeah, there's different ways of doing it. You could even like tap your leg back and forth and that, that would do it. Um, you said it's called IMDR? EMDR. EMDR. Yeah. EMDR. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's pretty effective. Um, I've found success in doing it and you don't need to necessarily have the memory of the trauma in order to work on it as long as you have that negative messaging um, mm. you can work on just the idea thinking about that negative messaging process it figure out where it comes from kind of trace it back to the root of an issue um, and they find that those kind of stress feelings associated with that negative messaging um with you know a few sessions of the emdr can hopefully be decreased that's interesting like emdr it sounds like it's something that you could like even do just straight online like you wouldn't even have to go into a doctor's office or something necessarily yeah so technically you can do emdr your on your own um it's not necessarily uh advised that people do that um because you can 
there is some risks, right? There are some dangers. Okay. You can like re-traumatize yourself. You can go into memories that are stressful. It helps to have the therapist there to guide um, and make sure that everything's going okay. Um, so it's, it is something that you could do independently. I mean, logistically, right? Uh, and it can be done over telehealth as well. Uh, they have okay. tools where they have a bar that goes back and forth okay. across the screen so that it can be done via telehealth. Um, I think it's better to try it in person the first time, at least, or the first yeah. few times, because you have to kind of get a sense of the speed and and strength of the whatever sensory... Um, method is being used and which sensory method is best for you for me the vibrators work the best um because i tend to get distracted if my eyes are open and watching the light and so you know certain video games will give you a lot of the same effects mm -hmm. as this that's interesting that's really cool yeah um, yeah uh so that's you know one the, the brain, what it does for your brain, yeah. um, PTSD. It can also help you break bad habits. They've done a study with smoking and found that two-player games with solving puzzles um, or, you know, two-player video games helped patients to quit smoking. Hmm. So things like Candy Crush, you know, on your phone when you're feeling that Mm. craving to smoke you right. can go on your phone and you can play the candy crush and it will do the thing in your brain that the cigarettes do and instead of the cigarettes right mm. so they did okay. mri scans of these um couples brains that were doing this study and the you know dopamine the the um, different chemical reactions that happen in the brain that make us addicted to things like cigarettes um, happen, right? They, they, we get that from the games too. And so, I mean, on the one hand, that's why games can be addicting, right? But mm -hmm. on the other hand, I mean, worst of two evils, right? Like yeah. if playing a game of Candy Crush can help you stop smoking, then yeah, I, you know, as long Candy as you're Crush not spending is better. A ton of money. As long as you're not spending a ton of money on Candy Crush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, the the idea is that you go and you play a game and then you can kind of get over the craving and it can help you get out of that addiction, right? Mm -hmm. um, similar to the idea of, you know, when someone is addicted to really heavy drugs, they sometimes have to be given something else to help them yeah. become less dependent over time yeah. kind of step down from things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, okay. if you do have a, an addictive nature in general or addictive genetics in your family then you will want to be more careful with video games in general but as far as like video gaming versus smoking i think that it's worth the risk to try it you know yeah see if it can help you help you quit um they've also found that gaming can reduce pain mm -hmm. so they've 
done the study with burn victims who play snow worlds and the patients reported a 30 to 50% reduction in pain, even more effective than morphine. Mm -hmm. So when they would be getting these really painful wound treatments on these burns, they would have them go into this virtual reality 3D landscape with ice and snowmen and, uh, you know, different cold things, right? Mm -hmm. And it helped reduce pain for those treatments. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Similarly, they found that it can reduce stress. So they've also done a, a study with little kids who had to go into surgery and they had kids play a game before surgery. And they found that the kids who played the games were much calmer and more relaxed. Mm -hmm. They felt um, what they said is about half as much tension as Mm -hmm. the kids who didn't play a game beforehand. So uh, a lot of times like uh, infantry, uh, military infantrymen um, over in Iraq and Afghanistan would like come back from patrol and then play like Call of Duty or something. Mm-hmm. And it helped them. It really helped them relax. Um, turned out it was it was a lot better for them than yeah, you know. But literally gamifying what they were actually out doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so this yeah that doesn't really surprise me too much. That's that's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, you you bring up a great point with the gamifying of you know real things. We've talked before on the podcast about how books can help process real life situations because your brain literally puts you in the place of the protagonist and it's like you're actually doing it. The same thing happens with video games, except with a a more decision-based kind of game, you're literally practicing making the decisions. You're not just following along with the story that's been given, but you are making those choices too and especially with like puzzles and um different games that use a lot of problem solving and critical thinking skills you're practicing those things um very actively as if you were doing it in real life so yeah gamification of, of real real scenarios um gamification for schooling has seen a lot of success yeah edutainment kind of Mm -hmm. stuff yeah yeah Yeah. um another interesting one this is one that surprised me um certain games can inspire you to exercise they found that when participants in this study saw avatars of themselves doing something like running or Mm -hmm. being on a treadmill, then that person felt more confident in their own ability to exercise Mm -hmm. and then could exercise for an hour longer after this than participants who didn't watch their avatar exercising. That's that's crazy. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So I'm getting ready for a LARP in October and I've realized how badly out of shape I am. And so now I'm biking 
a little mm. bit every day on an exercise bike um, and miserably sweating my way through it. <laughs> but um, so, you know, yeah, there is a game that's getting me to exercise more. But yeah, now I kind of wish I could make an avatar of myself and like, like put that up while I'm while I'm biking. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not as miserable. They found that um, if it's not an avatar that looks like you, it's not going to work. So it has mm. to be your digital twin. Um, gotcha. So I think Wii has games like that where you could do that. Um, the one they referenced is uh, like The Sims. You could mm -hmm. uh, potentially accomplish that with The Sims. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's amazing what we can convince our brains of, right? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. how much things change just when yeah. our brain thinks differently about it or believes that because you know you're watching your avatar exercise and your brain is like you're actually doing this yeah and so then when you go and do the real thing uh, yeah it's it's crazy it's powerful it's really cool. it's the extra amount of time that you can do that's amazing to me like right now i'm struggling to get to 13 minutes on a bike mm -hmm. you know being able to exercise for another hour that would be amazing that's huge i mean yeah. that's like a whole you know yeah. two more workouts if you're like if you do half an hour a day that's yeah. two extra workouts and yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that like you have to you know work an hour and a half work out an hour and a half a day most people don't have time for that um but just increasing your stamina right yeah your confidence is increased your stamina is increased just the benefits for life, you know, like yeah. when you go on that hike, you're going to feel more, um, feel more energetic or stronger when you're going on that yeah. hike or when you're doing that um, adventure with a friend and when you're working out. Mm. Amazing stuff. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay, let me see what's next. I'm sorry about all the ums today, guys. This is what happens when I'm referencing notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fighting depression. So yeah, yeah. You know we we're we hear a lot that addictions to games and over gaming can lead to depression and anxiety and things, but um, I think most people aren't aware that gaming can actually fight depression yeah i've read i've i've read this and, and heard about this so many times mm -hmm. so yeah yeah it's it's pretty amazing again when you focus on something it mm -hmm. just helps your mental health overall so um a lot of therapists will talk about it yeah i forget i forget what they call it but it's it's like the focus effect or something crazy like that yeah, that's probably so, not the actual name, but yeah. Um, it decreases. They found after just twenty minutes of playing, um, left frontal alpha brain waves um, decreased, which mm. is associated with improved disposition. Huh. So it's literally, you know, de-stressing your brain reducing oh, that stress so those cranky brain. old men need a nintendo yeah. switch <laughs> yeah. got it there got you it. go <laughs> they've also found that it's good for optimism um frequent gamers 
have motivation and confidence that non-gamers don't tend to have. Hmm. Um, it has been it has been a while since I think I've I've played many computer games or anything at all. It might be time to dust them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, your brain is practicing and adapting to these decisions yeah. and these obstacles, and that builds confidence. Yeah. And like yeah, I, we said, it's like real life for your brain. So it's building yeah. confidence in real life. Yeah, I legitimately cannot remember the last time I played a game on my computer. Um, I think I played Mega Man 10 on my Switch. And mm. it was a little bit of a nightmare because, like I said, that fast Twitch stuff has gone away. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm trying to rebuild it. Um, mm. So, yeah, I might, I might have to do that. Maybe it'll help me get past... Uh, yeah the 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 graduate mess um yeah <laughs> a little bit a little bit even better than than before yeah, yeah. Um, my therapist asked me what are you doing to you know for self-care as you're you know releasing all of that stress from graduate school and i said well all my kids ever want to do is play video games and that's all they want me to do with them they don't want me to like play games with them or or anything else they just want me to play video games with them so that's what i've been doing i've been just sitting down and playing games with them and it's been relaxing Mm -hmm. and i find that um it's very easy for me to get excited about something Mm -hmm. like if i've tried to jump over and over again and keep failing at it and then i get it it's this huge Mm -hmm. like confidence boost like i did that um beating the mario game was a major feather in my cap um max hasn't even beaten that game (laughs) (laughs) and so (laughs) i mean my son uh his excitement about it was great um and that's why i did it of course is i um i've been using like Minecraft and things like that to connect better with my son, because that is the language that he speaks right now. Yeah. Um, But it was, it was like kind of a bragging right after that, like, Hey, I beat Mario. And I know a lot of people out there who beat Mario as kids over and over again are probably rolling their eyes. But um, I, when I first started playing games, because I didn't grow up playing very many games, um, I was not good at it <laughs> and, <laughs> and figuring it out and doing it, even if you aren't super good at it, even just figuring out how things work and how to get to a certain mm-hmm. checkpoint can be really confidence uh, building. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I would agree with the confidence building by far. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, um, last one. Oh, go Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'll have a, I have a, an anecdote about games that's just kind of funny. Okay. But I'll do it after. <laughs> um, last one is the social aspect. Um, gaming is kind of seen as this like isolating thing, but it's really not. A mm-hmm. lot of times, people are interacting with strangers mm-hmm. when they're gaming, at least online, and they have found that people in different groups who normally wouldn't associate with each other were able to bond and become very Mm -hmm. close and and 
become buddies essentially and not only that but to think of the other group in a more compassionate open-minded way i would i would um submit that that's probably just gaming in general tabletop gaming as well absolutely so yeah yeah Yeah, definitely yeah anything like that um i think most people know can can be helpful with those things um there's just an assumption that when it goes onto the internet when it's online when it's streamed um it's not that way anymore that it's isolated but it still has those same benefits of um, collaboration and community and friendship building yeah yeah i would agree yeah definitely Mm -hmm. um that's amazing all right let's end with your anecdote Oh, okay. Uh, so a friend of mine had a, a Nintendo, a Super Nintendo, um, and um, we he had just gotten a copy of uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which was the first Legend of Zelda game on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And we played through for a day and a half. We got to Ganon. We're at the very end, and we just, we were missing a jar, and we just could not beat Ganon. We just couldn't get through that fight entirely so we're we're digging around the entire map looking for this fourth jar that we're missing and um so finally we broke down and uh with parental permission we called the nintendo power hotline oh That's my how gosh <laughs> yeah and um turns out they actually play the games to figure it out yeah like yeah. um and so they were like well that's funny because we found three jars and so um it turned out they found three different jar they they found a different jar than we did so we basically paid nintendo power hotline for like three minutes to swap tips on how to find this last jar in order to feed ganon and and beat the game that's so so cool (laughs) yeah yeah it was pretty amazing because they were as excited as we were we were like oh no kidding like they're like oh this is great like (laughs) oh here it is thanks and yeah so anyway that was pretty fun yeah and that is still the case like all the time right that yeah but it's even more pervasive now that we have youtube and and game streamers where you can watch someone beat the game and and figure out how to beat the game yeah 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 i i try not to but sometimes um and i play a lot more strategy and simulation games and stuff now than, Mm -hmm. than adventure games or action games Although I feel like I should start picking those back up just to help my my reflexes again and mm-hmm. my my fast data processing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah, okay. I, I play Stardew Valley on my computer and I look up stuff all the time. <laughs> what do you need to get this? What is this yeah. person's favorite thing that I can gift them? <laughs> yeah. So I cheat a lot with that one, if yeah. you consider that cheating. Yeah, I heard, um, I read a story about this guy who was talking about, like, he started playing a game like Stardew Valley. It could have been something else, but much like that kind of style game with his son. Mm-hmm. And it really helped them bond and mm-hmm. et cetera. So, yeah, that stuff is, that stuff can be pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I used to not be a believer in Minecraft. I thought that it was a game that was very easy to get addicted to mm-hmm. and I had opinions about it. Mm-hmm. I mean that granted this is one it was still kind of new. Um 
but Max played it and eventually our kids were really excited about it and started playing it particularly my son um and I saw and I figured out just how beneficial it is and how much learning happens and yeah all of these great I mean Minecraft's a fantastic game you know I'm I'm converted now (laughs) um (laughs) but my son you know he just he spoke Minecraft like that is the way that he talked um even when he's having a conversation about something else he scripts a lot of things and for the past year or so all of his scripting has been from like Minecraft streaming videos mm-hmm. um, or, or things from the world uh, about like how many ingots make up a block and, and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And I said to Max, I have to learn how to speak Minecraft. I need to learn how to play because mm-hmm. I am losing that connection with my son if I don't mm-hmm. learn. Because yeah. it's not his job to to stop talking about Minecraft or to stop using Minecraft yeah. as his kind of way of speaking um, so that I can understand him. I need to learn his language so that I, yeah. I can understand him. Yeah. And it's been, it's been huge. I've bonded yeah. with him in a way I feel like I haven't been able to in a, in a year or so. Um, after he, you know, really got obsessed with Minecraft, you know, it's a special, <laughs> it's a special interest of his and he's very yeah. good at it. And he's, he's memorized um, every single update and what came in each update. Oh um, my gosh. Which it, for those who don't know that it, it's a, there's a lot of updates and there's a lot of small yeah. details yeah. and he knows all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um. But now I, you know, when he when he goes on and on and on about something in Minecraft, I can follow it better and I can understand more of what he's saying. And I just can't imagine now not taking that step. Yeah. To to video game with my son. Yeah, I can understand that completely. Mm-hmm. All right. Any mm-hmm. final thoughts? No, uh, other than, you know, video games, a lot better for you than anybody thought. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that is our time for today. We've been your host, Ludlow Adams. And Jay Scarity. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week for a new topic about the world of fiction. This has been We're Lying, But That's Okay. Big thanks to our listeners for your support. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review. Thank you to our one-man production and tech support team, Max Garrity, for making this podcast possible.